Hello and welcome to the ARPC Comics Podcast, episode 213. Whoa. My name is David Brooke. I'm here with Nathan Simmons, who is woed out Whoa. right now. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're falling. Whoa. He's doing this uh, show from uh, an airplane that he'll jump out from uh-huh. uh, at a certain point during the show. It's <laughs> yeah. incredible. The audio is so clear. clear. Yeah, yeah. But just wait. There's going to be wind <laughs> whipping past me in a minute. Uh, yeah, I'm waiting yeah, for yeah. the kapow moment to hop out of the airplane. Oh, perfect. Uh-huh. Yes. And then when you land in uh, Bora Bora, <laughs> yeah. take a big sip of your margarita and... Yep. Uh, and cheer, cheer our audience. You're, you're spoiling everything. <laughs> ah, shit. God, that's right. That's the big finale. <laughs> uh, this is the AIPG Comics Podcast, where we recap the biggest news of the week. We review yeah. our favorite comics we talk about next week, too. And we have special guests this week. Brian Michael Bendis, the Brian Michael Bendis, joins the show to talk all about Fortune and Glory, the musical. Yeah. We also talk a little bit about um, the Ultimate Universe and Miles Morales. Uh, we get into what yeah. his thoughts on what Jonathan Hickman will be doing this summer with the ultimate invasion event. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, I mean, I, I unfortunately was not able to make it to this interview because it happened like in the middle of the day. But yeah. uh, but it was really cool. Like when you when you got the call, when you answered the call, much like the Ghostbusters, uh, you were, mm-hmm. it was like the same day that the ultimate, or like around the same time that the ultimate comics uh, news came out. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was kind of serendipitous that you were able to, to talk to him about that and, I'm really excited to to listen to this because uh, I am so fascinated by Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> yes. Yes, because Fortune and Glory, which we'll talk about in the news, actually, uh-huh. which was also announced uh, this week or was it this? Yeah, it was this week. It's uh, yep. Tuesday, I think. Uh, is a sequel to his original Fortune and Glory, which was about him breaking into Hollywood and That's trying right. to make some cash from his like Jinx World type books. Right. And then this sequel is framed around him being asked to write the Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark musical, which yeah. he has never written a musical. He didn't even, and he tells us in the interview, he didn't even like musicals when he was asked. He, so, which, uh, which, which is like so funny when you think about, how, I don't know, there, there's a really incredible couple of books about the, the production of it, but never yeah. from his side of the story. So I'm, I'm right. very fat. I'm very excited about this. And ultimately, it's a framing device to talk about his life sure. and share stories about uh, meeting creators in the 80s and 90s, which yeah, yeah. we also talk a lot about because he makes a good point. Like uh, the 80s and 90s era of comics uh-huh. aren't really recorded like the history hasn't been really recorded as much as it has been in the last 20 years mm-hmm. because of the, you know, the advent of the internet and all these articles that are constantly coming out now. So he talks a little bit about wanting to preserve that historical, like his recollections of meeting folks and the types of creators that he, uh, that inspired him when he was go- go- getting, uh, getting his chops yeah, in comics. Absolutely. But uh, before we dig into that, we're gonna talk about the biggest news of the week. Good God. If there was a theme to the news this week, it's Boy, new, new, new. There's a new, new relaunches. There's new creative teams. There's new series. Uh, starting with Dawn of DC, which uh, every month now, it seems, they have at least two uh, series reveals. This week, they right. have four series reveals for the Dawn of DC, which is a new initiative where they promised over 20 new titles this year. Yeah, and huge creative teams. Indeed, yes. And... So the let's just unpack this news because it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start with the new creative teams. Uh, the Flash is now going to be uh, written by Cy Spur with art by Mike Diodato, which was yeah. a huge surprise to me because Diodato actually kind of quit Cape Books, I want to say five years ago. Yeah, and sure. And was yeah. doing stuff for like AWA and uh, and other indie publishers. Uh-huh. And this one, uh, Cy uh, has talked a little bit on Twitter too about this, but it's basically a cosmic horror. 
yeah, which is interesting for Flash. Seeing how the 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 natural forces that that all of these you know characters in the Flash books can control, how that kind of affects everything around them. It's not just mm-hmm. a cool flashy superpower. You're literally dabbling with the fabric of everything. Which is, you know, my day-to-day. Of, personally, of course. <laughs> I know a lot of people were really upset that Jeremy Adams is no longer on right. the book because he's been doing such a fabulous job. He actually uh, released a letter of sorts on Twitter and if you read in between the lines, it sounds like it wasn't necessarily his decision uh-huh. to leave. Although he is going to be writing the Green Lantern book. So cool. it's not like he's gone from right. DC. Uh, in other uh, uh, new creative team news, uh, Tom King and Daniel Semper are going to be doing Wonder yeah. Woman. That is another shock. This is starting in September. They're doing the and, uh, Legacy uh, yeah. number 800, and then which leads right into the, the relaunch at number one. Right, and it's the same with Flash. So they're basically these big eight, uh, exercised issues with a uh, one story by the new creative team. Uh-huh. Sysburger is doing one for the Flash one as well. So a big celebration. Obviously, eight hundred is, is a milestone mm-hmm. to celebrate. Uh, this Wonder Woman book is compelling, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's uh, kind of a political thriller. Yeah, the mysterious Amazonian is accused of mass murder. The U.S. Congress passes the Amazon Safety Act, barring all Amazons from American soil. I mean, if I was an Amazon, I'd be like, so what? <laughs> I have a cool ass Yo, island. Yo, my island rocks. Yeah, I've got invisible jets, bro. Sure. Anyway. But I mean, uh, it, that it, should be it's interesting. An, it's an interesting take because Wonder Woman, you know, first came to America to act as a, mm. uh, a, a, a um, ambassador. Master. Thank you. I could not find the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so having not only that, you know, status taken from her, but to not be allowed to set foot on American soil is, uh, is kind of a huge deal for someone who literally wears the stars on her outfit. Right. Ooh, ooh, that got me thinking. Maybe there's a new costume on the oh, way. Oh, that would be interesting. It's all black. I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> she has guns. I see Diana as being the kind of person who, if you tell her she can't wear the American flag, she's going to wear it harder. You know what I mean? Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also announced Steelworks yeah. with story by Michael Dorn, Worf himself, yeah. art by Sammy Bassery. So you actually said to me, Oh, Michael Dorn, that, that's the voice he, he, of uh, Steel in yeah, Superman John Henry Irons back in the day. So who better to write the next chapter of the character? I mean, life? that's a hell of a way to, you know, market it as well. I mean, they've got it right on the front cover of the first issue, written by sci-fi icon and voice of Steel, Michael <laughs> Dorn. Yeah, that's dope. Man, what a year for Michael Dorn. He's got Picard sure. season three. He's awesome, man. Uh, he's got he's in two different Star Star uh, Trek yeah. books, although he's obviously not involved besides looking his, like his, his likeness. But I'm sure, he, yeah. But it's it's what it's uh, he's in the 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 Hive Mind Star Trek book, and then he's got Star Trek Defiant by Cantwell coming out next week. Yes, yeah. It's interesting too. Like he's not the first Star Trek uh, actor to write comics, right? Right. We uh, Spock himself was a. Was really into comics in the nineties. I want to say Will Wheaton's done some writing as well, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I think he's dabbled, yeah. yeah. And then uh, last but not least, Hawk Girl announced. Hawk Girl, isn't that crazy? So everyone (laughs) saw the Hawk Man symbol, and they assumed it was going to be a Hawk Man book, but it's Hawk Girl. Yeah. Yeah, very excited. Who's it by? Uh, This is uh, Hawk Girl coming to us from Jadzia Axelrod and Amanke Nelpen. Uh, this is uh, the well Jadzia Axelrod we had on the show last year to talk about Galaxy yeah. the Prettiest Star, my favorite comic book of 2022, uh, and I, I'm so thrilled that this is going to feature Galaxy as like a major supporting character as well. Yeah, it's it's exciting stuff. Um, I mean, Hawkman has had his good uh-huh. eras, but it's 
been a freaking minute since we've had any Hawk characters. Uh, at least headlining, so it's nice to yeah, see headlining a series like this for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm very. It's obviously it's going to be involving Nth Metal, yes. which is something I've never really wrapped my head around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm excited. I'm. It's gonna yeah, a villain that has some kind of connection to Nth Metal. Uh, that maybe is messing with Hot Girl's abilities. We'll see. Um, but I'm mm. very, very excited to see Kendra getting a spotlight. Great character uh, who tends to just sort of n- never fades into the background, but is always definitely like a team book character. So right, that's so really true. Really excited mm-hmm. to see see the the further adventures of Hot Girl. We'll also be getting the further adventures of Incredible Hulk. That's right, was announced. Philip Kennedy Johnson and artist Nick Klein will be uh, collabing on this new relaunch of the Incredible Hulk line. We haven't had an actual Incredible Hulk title uh-huh. uh, for some time now, since Donny Cates and Ryan Otley's wasn't Incredible Hulk. It was Hulk. just Hulk. Yeah, and then before and, that, we uh, had Immortal then, Hulk. Right, so it's been a minute since... Obviously, legacy numbering, though. I think they all counted as Hulk, right. Incredible Hulk. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, man, let me tell you, uh, Twitter was a buzz on AIPG Dude, Twitter. People yeah. were so excited to see I, Philip Kennedy Johnson. I want to say within like 30 minutes of the announcement, I, I think it was retweeted like 180 times or something like that. When I checked two days ago, it had 200,000 views, the tweet. Like, uh-huh. Insane. Insane for yeah, us. Yeah, anyway. no, that's but, great. Um, Nick Klein, though, I mean, say what you will about Donny Cates and Klein's Thor yeah. run. Klein's art is insane on that yes. book. And this book's going to have Bruce facing all sorts of new monsters yeah. and the mother of horrors. So Great name. <laughs> love that. Uh, yeah, no, this is so rad. I uh, I love the idea behind this that, that uh, following this Starship Hulk storyline, like the Hulk has been like, mm-hmm. okay, cut the shit. I'm in charge now. He's taken over Bruce Banner's body. And so every monster in the Marvel universe is is has turned against Hulk. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, Phil, uh, the, Philip Kennedy Johnson and Nick Klein have kind of described this as sort of a uh, very almost a cosmic horror as well. We're going back to sort of almost Lovecraftian ideas of like the old ones, you know, like the original monsters. Uh, it's interesting to me. Like we've seen this horror renaissance in comics sure. for it feels like five years Even now. With, uh, Immortal Hulk, which was fully a horror book yep. that, that dabbled in, you know, Lovecraftian kind of ideas. But it, it seems like they are definitely taking a, a, a different approach to it makes me wonder like will we burn out on the on the horror comics and we'll go back to some other I era i don't think so sometime I'm soon so, <laughs> i'm so excited about this idea of like big genre swings with marquee characters right like so i mean we just right. philip kennedy johnson just gave us uh basically a year of superman as a, like an old school harryhausen style you know, Jason the Argonauts gladiator motherfucker, like, <laughs> and, right, right. Uh, which is like one of my favorite big swings in Superman. So uh, bring this on. I feel like, do you suppose this is a bigger uh, announcement than, so, so Chip Zdarsky was uh, the Daredevil writer yes. and then he became the Batman writer and then he was doing, the, he is doing them both uh-huh. at the same time, which is insane. I think it's on the, is this even I'd bigger? I'd say it's on the same or, level for sure. Because if you don't know, Phil Kennedy Johnson is also writing action mm-hmm. comics, Superman. A, a truly spectacular run so far. Like, I, I mm-hmm. just, I, I love everything he's doing with these characters. And I think he has a really strong eye for how can I use genre and, and you know, big bonkers, bombastic action to elevate character. In uh, other events 
news in, in a way. Yeah. Uh, Marvel revealed more details about Captain America Cold War. It's and chilly. yes, that's, it feels like we've been talking about this for like four <laughs> months does. and the freaking event hasn't started yet. And that's what I really wanted to talk about. I don't care about the solicits and the details that we're getting. I mean, yes, okay, Nomad's coming back. Great, that's yeah. cool. But it is absurd to me that we're getting details about the finale of an I event know. that hasn't started yeah. yet. I, 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 a lot of the times the writer of these books, or the writers of these books, uh, write the solicitations. Sometimes they don't. But I can't imagine the difficulty of writing a solicit for a book knowing full well no one's even read the first I issue know, of this event Totally. Yet. Like, that must be so hard. Like, we, not only that, <laughs> but we, we have a solicit for the issue that, like, acts as the epilogue of the event. Like... We're we're getting the solicit for we're getting the solicit for Cold War Omega um, and the solicit for Symbol of Truth number fourteen, which yeah. is uh which is just very very funny to me. I don't know. I I often talk about um Charles Dickens when it comes to sort of serial storytelling <laughs> because if you don't know Charles Dickens, who's his famous novelist, of course, yeah. he actually published all of his books in newspapers right. in chapter chunks, yeah. similar to comics coming out with single issues. And could you imagine if he had to write solicitations for like a tale of two sure. cities? <laughs> sure. Uh, so Arthur funny. Conan Doyle is writing a solicit for the return of Sherlock Holmes while he's putting out the final problem. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like that's a funny idea. It would have happened too. If, if Charles Dickens is around here, I wonder if he would have been like this Scott Snyder of Batman. Can you imagine that? That's another in- interesting thought thinking Let's go back of in time and thoughts, ask though. charles dickens to write a batman story <laughs> and see what happens it's like that it's like a thing where you're like i want to give like a colonial child a, a mcdonald's sprite and see what happens he would just be furious that they ripped off sherlock holmes so much <laughs> <laughs> be like what the hell is copyright for man that's so funny why isn't batman on heroin i don't Someday. get it i can't write this moriarty we just we already have it with star trek um <laughs> Moving on to our next bit of news, Marvel released the full Scott Koblish Fantastic Four connecting cover, yeah. which will grace issue seven of Fantastic Four and issue eight of Fantastic uh, Four. And it is a treasure trove, literally shit. a treasure like, trove of characters. How do, you do this? It blows my I know. mind. Go to aptcomics.com to, to see the art if you uh, want to see is, it, because we're about to talk this about it. It's got to beat that G.I. Joe cover from a couple months ago, right? Ooh, good question. Someone, um, someone start it counting. Say... <laughs> it does. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Um, it's 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 just piles upon piles of every character that's ever been in a Fantastic Four. We got Four Power book. Pack. We got sixties X Men. <laughs> we got seventies X Men. Claw. We got Ego the Living Captain Planet. America. Yeah, it rules. I, Black Panther. This is a great cover. Spider Man. Miles Herbie Brown. the Robot. Or Herbie Actually, the Robot. Actually, I uh, I kind of want to bring this up yeah. just because I saw people on again on AMPT Twitter calling out characters that yeah, they yeah, love. Yeah. They're like, oh look, there's Miles. Yeah. And they would just like take a little screenshot of just him and and quote tweet the the main But like tweet, multiple version like multiple eras, right? So we've got we've yeah. got like the you know the seventies slash eighties version of uh the thing with like the big uh, uh tank top. And then we've also got, you know, classic thing who's like watching himself transform for the first time. And then we've got family man thing over in the corner. It's it's great. It is. Yeah, it's super fun. Koblish is great. 50 too. different versions of King. Yeah, yeah. Talking about uh, the axe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. His, his art is, is solid. He's got that new horny uh, Kaiju book That's coming right. out with Jerry Dugan, That's too, right. which we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, uh, again, more new books, more new title information. Uh, Marvel has shed Oof. new light on Dan Waters and Jermaine Peralta's Loki miniseries. 
So this is a four-issue miniseries starting in June, mm-hmm. but uh, we've got a full solicit. We've got uh, a cover by Dustin Yuen, and um, it appears that Loki is going to have to deal with some powerful weapons he once mm-hmm. made and scattered across the Ten Realms. So I love that. Uh, yeah, cleaning you know, up his the messes. past keeps haunting yeah. him. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I, I love this cover of him sort of looking over a memory of the classic Loki mm. with the long horns battling yeah. against Thor. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's some good stuff. If you believe in karma, uh-huh. we've just talked about all these new books. Yeah. Well, well, one creative team may be going away soon. No. Chip Sudarsky on his newsletter revealed, he didn't say a thing. He just posted a picture that says, this is what God has done. Uh-huh. And it's a picture of Daredevil's mask burning, and it says the saga ends August 2023 with Marco Cicero. Yeah. So if uh, if you remember when it was announced he was taking over Daredevil with Cicero, it's a similar graphic yeah. of a flaming uh, Daredevil mask. Yeah, the original is the the mask on fire, and this new one is the mask having burned away, essentially. It's charred mm-hmm. and ashen. And yeah, I, I'm curious to know if this means... The, the end of his story or if it just means we're gonna you know maybe matt's not gonna be calling himself daredevil anymore uh could be yeah it could be that uh they're just gonna reboot it again like they already did with uh chip Zdarsky. they literally said the final issue the final issue for Zdar- weeks and we talked about on the show he's kind of the the king <laughs> of marvel books relaunching while he's still writing them i mean you remember right like right. howard the duck had i think no less than two or three number ones while, while he was <laughs> writing it right ridiculous yeah so then uh back in june uh daredevil was relaunched but with the same creative team right. so it was such a it felt like a fake it out did. yeah like i mean it nothing was like, new it did about feel like it. there were there were attempts at it being a new era but it was very much i mean it was very much like when the new 52 happened and they were like, but Jeff Johns, your green lantern is exactly the same. You just pick up where you left right. off. Right. And Batman and Damien are fine and not changed. Yeah. That was so strange, but you know, it's comics, I guess. Sure. Speaking of comics, Brian Michael Speaking Bendis uh, announced this week, fortune and glory. The musical is coming to a Substack. Yeah. It'll be released in chaptered chunks, uh, I believe for free. Mm-hmm. And then next year, if you don't like reading comics digitally, uh, Dark Horse Comics will be re- launching the graphic novel of this sequel to his original Fortune of Glory, which was nominated for multiple Eisners. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, it's comedic. It basically, if you don't know what Fortune of Glory is like, uh-huh. Bendis in the original, drew he actually drew and wrote it too, but he draws himself talking to the audience, breaking the fourth yes. wall. He does the same in the sequel, and uh, the first chapter has now been released. There's also a preview on AIPTcomics.com. Him, like, basically getting the call to do this musical, and his wife being like, well, you hate he musicals! almost, like, <laughs> harassed by the fact that, like, Avi Arad wants to talk to him. Like, every single... That is every funny, Every single yes. messaging app in his, <laughs> in his home is suddenly telling him Avi Arad wants you to call right. him. It's, it's yeah, really Yeah, back funny. when Avi, like, ran everything that wasn't uh-huh. comics including the movies. Yeah, I uh, I got to read a big chunk of this for the interview that's later in the show and it, it's comical, it's funny. Um he promises like Joe Cas- when he meets Joe Caseta will show up. So if you're yeah. into like comics history, I think you'll really dig it too. Yeah. I I love it. I I do. It's very funny to me that like Ju- the idea that Julie Taymor wanted like wanted it to be based on Ultimate Spider-Man and then eventually her yeah. script was like 
the goddess Arachne wants to sacrifice you and like all that. Like it's (laughs) such a, if you ever have a chance, like the version of the show that ended up like officially opening is night and day from what Julie Taymor's original pitch was. Yeah. Right. No, I've read that too. Yeah. It was a really good write up like a year ago now, I think. Um, Bendis talks about how like, it just fundamentally didn't understand what Spider-Man is or what it should be. And that's part of the reason why it failed. Obviously, of course, if you don't know, like the musical also had like a death and it was like well, way over yeah, budget. A ton, of, a ton of injuries. It was cursed, getting hurt basically. every night. They couldn't get the effects yeah. to work. Uh, and the mm-hmm. ending just didn't work. Like it, apparently at some point during production, um, like a stagehand turned to uh, like the interim director after Julie Tamar was fired and was just like, you know, shouldn't the green goblin be like the main villain of the, sh- you kill him off before the end of act one. Should you, <laughs> should, should you put the green goblin in more of the play? Cause he pops and they were like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. that's a really good idea. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I think, um, it was a Jimmy Fallon or Kimmel. He, uh, they did a, they did one of the songs on, you can find it's it on Letterman. YouTube. It's like, it's oh, one Letterman, of the we- I think so. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. They also did a good morning America appearance, uh, Green Goblin fucking owns. Yeah, it. he's so dramatic and over the top and silly. And then they have these crazy new character villains, the Swiss Miss, that aren't in the comics. So weird. It's like a woman made of the, blades yeah, called Swiss Miss. <laughs> and then like also like uh, he like okay. So there is a there is a number in that show uh, where it's just him introducing his version of the Sinister Six. And it's characters yeah. like Carnage, Swarm, uh, like, you know, characters that are not part of the Sinister Six. And then like right. the, it's the weirdest song. And then it was so it was such a strange thing for Good Morning America that like it ended up inspiring right. an entire episode of the Comedy Bang Bang TV series. Where they, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little obsessed with this musical. Yeah, I wish it was like the whole thing was available to watch. I know there's clips here and there. I don't think you can watch it. And there end, right? are, I believe there are bootlegs. I have not watched them myself. I'd be curious to watch. It. I mean, even though you know it's going to be really sure. Bad. It's so interesting how outsiders come in and they think they understand Spider-Man, which to me seems so easy to nail. Yeah, you I think mean, so? It's pretty basic. But then you hear like James Cameron was going to have Spider-Man web Mary Jane to a bridge and have sex uh-huh. with her. In a scene, like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, the, <laughs> what are you yeah, thinking? the James Cameron one. Yeah. Yeah, he was supposedly going to, or I think he was literally actively, he wanted DiCaprio, Spider-Man. Yes. It was like I, I, the early or mid-90s. I wrote I an article about unmade Spider-Man movies for AIPT a few years ago, and it's like, yeah. I, I think the the phrasing I used was, if James Cameron had gotten to make Spider-Man, it would have been the horniest superhero movie ever made. <laughs> so yeah. strange. He must have thought, like, the webs were, like... He, anyway, there is a scene. There was a scene that he storyboarded. You can actually find draw. You can actually find his original storyboards or concept drawings online, where yeah. Aunt May goes to wake Peter up, and he is webbed to his sheets like he has had a wet oh, dream. Oh no! Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, because he he was the one who introduced the 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 webs to the vein. That's right. The wrist, yeah, that right? was that was yeah. his addition for sure. Oh man, that's the one thing I wish they didn't do in the original trilogy. Oh, it never, it never really bothered movies. me that much, but I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what else you get? Dark Horse books. You get the, yeah, they're gonna put out the unlikely story of Felix and Macabre. Uh-huh. So this is a book that I discovered while writing this news, which was exclusive to AIPT yeah. actually. 
that was actually in production like uh, back in 2019. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think they ever finished it. it was It's Juniba and Hassan Otsman Elhow. And it's a 152-page graphic novel. I, I, I assumed it came out in some form. Uh-huh. But then I saw Juniba quote tweet AIPT and be like, we're finally getting to do this. So I think they were trying to... It wasn't Kickstarter. It was another like style of Kickstarter. Yeah. That they were trying to push this book out years ago now. And uh, I, I assume it just never came out until now. So uh, it's exciting to see these two creators collaborate i mean they're, they're two of the most cherished creators today absolutely and, and an indie comic scene offbeat kind of uh fairy tale-esque story yes yeah yeah it, uh, there's a preview that apt got that i don't think anyone else got that you can check out so you can see juniba's art uh, and yeah so pretty it's so creative i love it the the, the hoodie on this little creature guy is yeah so fun. yeah yeah love love these monster designs really imaginative stuff so that's coming out right in time for Halloween. And then, again, something else right in time for Halloween. Oh, yeah. Well, it's actually coming out a little earlier. But Titan has... Speaking of Halloween. Re- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis's <laughs> Mother Nature yeah. has finally been resolicited for July 2023. We talked about this last year. It was supposed to come out last fall. That's right. Um, and it's actually based... This graphic novel is based on the movie that mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis is directing. Right. With Blumhouse, right? Yeah, yeah. So I assume maybe they delayed it because the movie isn't going to come out till this year, maybe? Possibly. I don't even know if there's a release date for the movie. I don't think there is yet. But uh, it's an echo horror. So yeah. if, you, uh, if you care about the environment, you might be into this. She says she's been wanting to tell this sto- a version of this story since she was 19 years old, uh, yeah. which is really fascinating. I'm really excited to check this out. It's got a very um, old school allegorical horror meets Stephen King kind of vibe. It does, yeah, and the art is is unreal. It's uh, yeah. by Carl Stevens. Um, just, it's like something out of heavy metal. The way mm-hmm. it's uh, it's detailed, yeah, totally. and the way he's doing like shadow and stuff. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. And then finally, in our last bit of news, the creative team behind Dracula, motherfuckers, <laughs> collaborating again this October for Parasocial. Yeah. So this is Alex DeCampi and Erica Henderson again. If you like Dracula, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Henderson's art is 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 uh, a visionary in style. It's very bright. It's colorful. Yeah. It's not quite what you'd expect from a horror, but it's that. I think that's why it works so well. Yeah. Um, she's also collaborating with Ryan North on something else coming up soon as well. But um, this is uh, coming out October tenth. Yeah, it's about a, uh, a it's it's very scary for anybody who's in the creative industry or attends cons regularly. Um, but it's a, about a, a TV actor who uh, runs into an obsessive fan during a con in the middle of the pandemic. So mm. sounds really upsetting. <laughs> you forgot the scariest part. Oh. It's set in Texas. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, we can say that because, you know, we're cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this will. I think this is going to be a must read for sure. I, uh, yeah, um, I, I really, I dug Dracula, motherfucker. Motherfucker! Uh, <laughs> so, looking forward to this, for sure. And another one coming out just in time for Halloween. Indeed. People love those spooky tales. Yep. Moving on to our top books of the week. We're going to talk about our top two favorite comics out this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second favorite book of the week was your second favorite book of the week. Look at that. Isn't that so cool? 
just keeps happening. I don't get it. I know. It's it's like we're friends and we have similar interests, but uh, I know, yeah. Exactly. We hate each other off off air. We we, we we argue bitterly <laughs> off air, but on air we both just can't stop thinking about Adventures of Superman John <laughs> Kent number 1 by Tom Taylor and Clayton Henry. Yeah, so this is essentially the relaunch of Superman Son of Kal-El. Yeah. Uh and it's taking things to the multiverse first, first, right. first, first, first. Bringing back uh bringing back Ultraman <laughs> who is behind so much of John's past trauma. Yes, he kidnapped him uh when he was young and thus uh, Clark and Lois lost years of seeing John grow up. Yeah. It's all his fault. Stole his childhood. And now Ultraman is killing all the Kents, yeah. <laughs> which, the Kal-El's, I mean. Killing every Kal-El uh, in the multiverse and exactly, enjoying yeah. it. I mean, one of the mm-hmm. one of the first things we see is that uh, is him killing a Superman who weakly whispers Lois. And we learn that that's just Superman's last word in every dimension. Mm. Epic, romantic. Yeah. Tragic. <laughs> Uh, Clayton Henry's art is fabulous here. It's yes. very clean. It, it suits the style that I think uh, uh, C and Tormi's art had mm-hmm. for Cal Al. Um, and he, he works in the, the I mean the new angle of John's like burgeoning electrical powers uh, really well. Yeah, that's gonna get '90s kids excited. I think <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a good first issue. Mm-hmm. It's setting up John's call yep. to stop this guy from killing his father essentially because it will happen eventually they say and like you said i mean it is it's a lot of setup but it's a lot of great character work uh yeah we 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 get how his relationship is is forming and and how it's developing with you know most of the world not remembering john's uh secret identity um we also we get him you know meeting calvin harris and them not throwing down immediately because they both agree that like heroes fighting each other before having a conversation is very uh passe yeah i like that that was nice it's uh it's a good it's a good first issue that kind of reestablishes what john's all about right yeah and establishing too the the fact that uh, no one knows his secret identity mm-hmm. anymore which is a uh, kind of a big deal. It's funny that that, that they introduced that, and he's immediately going to zip off to another universe anyway. I know, yeah. That's <laughs> that feels like one little bit of a missed opportunity. But um, I, right. I, you know, this isn't going to be the last John Kent series. No, God, no. Although, if you go on the internet, people say it will be. Uh, whatever, because <laughs> they're constantly saying the book's canceled and it's, the sales are bad. They've been and... saying that since the first issue came out and like set records that year. So fuck them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The haters that don't like the fact that he's bisexual, uh-huh. basically. Uh, but what is your favorite book of the week? My favorite book of the week was Scarlet Witch number three by Steve Orlando and Sarah Pacelli. Um, who was it that reviewed it for AIPT? Uh, because they Tim had, t- Tim O'Neill. Yes. Okay. He had this amazing line in the review that was basically like Sarah Pacelli can hit me with her car and I'd still be okay <laughs> with it because the art's so good. Something yeah. along those lines. Uh, and uh, damn straight, because I think I texted you that every, almost every page in this issue looks like a, is a painting. I mean, it, this is, it's like a storybook. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Polaris and Wanda uh, help this, uh, this character to return to the microverse and liberate her people. And they do so by going through all of these different weird trials, battling these tiny wolves, battling a giant uh, witch. 
going through tombs, forging a sword out of just hope and love. <laughs> like it is, it is, uh, it, it's pure fantasy, uh, and it works perfectly uh, in in the the way the story is told. It's um, it's it's just fantastic. There's so much ground covered in so few pages that I felt like I had I felt like I had read you know, a six issue miniseries by the time I finished the story, it, every single yeah. image is just so striking. And, uh, it, the idea that like they could have stayed here and continued the fight, but they, they, the Scarlet witch is there to help people. She's not there to do everything for them, which I think is a very interesting take on the character who in the past has had such a, you know, uh, power trippy kind of vibe. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. that th even that is is a uh, is emblematic of the character growth that's happened under Steve Orlando's watch. Uh, I just man, this book consistently blows my mind. It really is good. Yeah, I'm excited to have uh, Steve on the show in a few weeks too yes. to talk all about it. Can't it's wait. gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. But yeah, this is one of my favorite series by him so far. Yeah. I mean, I, I think. Um, What's the freaking Martian Manhunter book that he did was oh also with Riley stellar. Rosmo of course mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah one of my one of my favorites of the last five years probably faux show <laughs> but what was your favorite book of the week <laughs> uh, my favorite book of the week was New Mutants Lethal Legion number one by Charlie Jane Anders and Anid Balam uh, so yeah I uh, this is an interesting book in part because it's imparting interesting ideas. Uh -huh which I think the best X-Men books do. Yeah. Now, of course, it's also got the whole character dynamic uh, element that I think we're all looking for with X-Men books, which is like this robust cast, yeah. these different personalities. Uh, but there are actually two interesting concepts brought up by Anders here, which is that, uh, one, there's a character who wants to just forget their pain and erase it. Right. And Escapade, this new superhero, is like, you can't do that. All you can do is make them part of a bigger story, which I think is really impactful and something that a lot of readers need to hear. Yes, yeah. Because tamping down, doing the Irish thing, <laughs> tamping <laughs> down your pain doesn't actually help, or it can for some, I suppose, but eventually it will burst. Uh -huh. You need to make it part of your story, which I think is such a cool concept. Yeah. And then there's another idea that's introduced um, where uh, Morgan Red talks about why he doesn't want to join Krakoa. Right. And basically he's like, you're a nation, yes, but you're a nation that your only weaponry to protect you are the people, which I think right. is such a fascinating concept yep. because he's like, okay, sure you can't die, but you still wake up with all the trauma and you keep throwing your people at threats or dangers that are coming. That's not fair to the people. How's, how is that any way to live? Yeah. And it's, it's just concepts about, or it's a concept that's talking about Krakoa and the way of life there that I don't think has been introduced yet in this new era of the Hawks and Pox era, which not, got it's, me thinking. It's not really been said in such like direct, blunt terms, for sure. Right, right, right. Yeah, and um, it's interesting also to hear uh, an opposing idea to Krakoa because mm -hmm. so often we just hear, oh, it's paradise, oh, it's heaven, it's the best place ever for mutants. Mm -hmm. And Morgan makes a strong point, like that's no way to treat your people, but right. they're just cannon fodder. I mean, before this, scale. like the the most we've really explored that is uh, in in Victor Lavelle's Sabretooth and in right. um, Way of X. The the first the first couple issues of Way of X, where you know we learned that like 
mutant kids are like letting themselves be killed just to like teach other people lessons. You know what I mean? Like it's which <laughs> is like so one up. of the darkest concepts that we've played with in in, in X Men books recently. Right. Right. So, um, on top of all these ideas, uh, 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 Escapade and Cerebella also kind of big, like I just already mentioned, they connect, but by the end, there's a really good splash page where they're, uh, they're in the closet where apparently there are all these mutant costumes, these X-Men costumes, and they're just like throwing stuff together for their next mission, uh-huh. which is a bit of a spoiler here, but Lethal Legion is uh, recruiting. They need, a, <laughs> they need to get the, the evil mutants together. And so they're going to go to this party mm-hmm. and uh, crash it essentially, which will probably end terribly for, for, for some people. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's just super fun and, uh, Paired with these like interesting ideas, yeah. it's a really really good book. Awesome, yeah. But moving on to our next segment, standout. Wow, moment of the Hang week. Hang on, I gotta jump out of this airplane. <laughs> <laughs> Committed to the bit, I love it. <laughs> oh, God, that's good. You put the noise canceling uh, microphone on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is where we talk about our favorite panel or page from a comic book. In this case, one comic book. We both like to pay a different page from yeah. Fantastic Four, number five by Ryan North and Ivan Forelli. Um, my scene comes later in the book where Mr. Fantastic has to reverse fourth dimension <laughs> molecular stuff that's happened to him and his family uh-huh. here. And he does so not only using his brain, but also figuring out how to like contort his body into multiple arms and heads, yes. spinning furiously, somehow reversing their like DNA. It's comic book is hell. I love uh, it. It's so weird. Again, uh, Ryan North knows. I know it's Ryan North because it's not just the artist because he has consistently made uh, Mr. Reed Richards do really freaky stuff with his powers. Yes. Like in this issue, not in this page, but like he makes a cube with his hand. Yeah. To like convey something to the family, and it's just like that would make me sick to look at. Yeah, <laughs> if someone did that in real life. Oh, totally. But this this is a perfect example of that too. We're just like it's so crazy what Reed can do with his body mm-hmm. and his elastic ability. And this then this creative team working so well together to convey this. Yes, exactly. What was your favorite moment? Uh, I loved when uh, Nicholas Scratch first puts a whammy on the team and basically <laughs> makes them all weirdly uh, abstract. It like sort of yeah. tears them apart and and molds them up. And there's something very funny about it because it's it's very kaleidoscopic, weird, trippy. There's literally like flowers and stuff in the background because that's the shirt that Ben's wearing, and it sort of gives it even <laughs> more of like a psychedelic vibe. Yeah, uh, as they all sort of fold in on each other, and the 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 perfect capper to it is Reed just sort of choking out the word magic at the bottom. Uh, right, and, completing a sentence he had started in the previous. Yeah, panel, I don't right? do well with magic, and and Joe Caramagna <laughs> like sort of just perfectly making it this tiny little font, like he's squeaking it out. It's it's so yeah, good. it's uh, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. <laughs> it really blew my mind. You know, reading Brian North's and even Co- Coelho, of course, yeah. uh, their run now, like, I I don't know if Marvel Studios is capable of making the Fantastic Four as weird as this, because I could see it turning people and off. And as sweet as this. It, if they lean into the weirdness of yeah. their powers and the shit they do, yeah. like, that would be something else. That'd be something new, and I think it would get people excited if they can pull it totally. off, which I don't know if it's, it'd be really hard to do in a live action, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, Fantastic Four, I think it's been on on our shows lists, multiple different every, types every of lists. Month. Every month it's been <laughs> on the list in some some spot. Yeah. 
it's just so good to truly love every issue of this book <laughs> Absolutely. So far. Moving on to our top books for next yeah. week. Oh, I've got a ticker tape here. Let's see here. Uh, stocks are low. <laughs> Buy NASDAQ. And maybe you should land. check out Star Trek Defiant Number 1 by Christopher Cantwell and Angel Nzueta. Uh, this is the shared universe. The first, the, sorry, the second book in the shared universe of Star Trek that IDW has just relaunched. Yeah. Uh, with Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, of course, doing the main book. This one's got Worf in the lead, which, I mean, you can't beat that. And then we've got Lore on the team, mm-hmm. and uh, they're flying around in the Deep Space Nine spaceship there that I don't know the name of that everyone loves. <laughs> Defiant? <laughs> it's the, Yes, it's the ship. Yeah, that's it. How'd you know? Uh, <laughs> that's the ship that, like, doesn't have shields, oh, right. but it's uh-huh. so, somehow the armor is so good that you, could, you can't destroy it, which is fun. Right. Uh, I don't know, Cantwell, uh, firing, firing, firing on all cylinders lately. Well, 100%. Pretty much since he started with Doctor Doom at Marvel. Um, and uh, I, I I know he's a humongous Star Trek fan. Yeah. So to get him on a Star Trek book with Worf, I think it's going to be a true delight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I can't imagine if he's doing any other work these days, though. What's your uh, favorite book of the week? <laughs> My favorite book of the week <laughs> is also a new Cantwell book. <laughs> Uh, Hellcat number one by Christopher Cantwell yeah. and Alex Linz. Um, this is picking up from you know Cantwell's Iron Man run and, and the Iron Man Hellcat annual, all that good stuff. Um, diving into a supernatural murder mystery involving Damon Hellstrom and Sleepwalker, who we haven't seen in a minute. Uh, really excited yes. about all of that. Really excited to see Alex Linz on an ongoing. Um, his it, I mean, his work on New Mutants was great. And I uh, loved uh, th- he did a, he did a story for Moon Knight, Black, White and Blood with Cantwell, I believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see how this book plays out. I'm looking for spooky action and uh, it's going to be a, yes. a five issue miniseries. Also, Perry Perez doing covers. So, yes, I mean, yes, it's yes. just all the things I like. <laughs> <laughs> Should you pull your shoot now or are you good? Oh, no, I, I landed already. Oh, yeah, I, land, I landed in a in a hay bale. Hay, hay bale. Really? How's the margs? The margs are great. The margs <laughs> are great, man. You already sucked back too. In our next segment, judging by the cover, Junior, we talk about our favorite cover art. Yeah. Out next week, I can't get enough of EM. Just the horror number two cover. Yeah. It's um, photorealistic in a sense. It's clearly painted. Yes. Uh, but it truly features the horror of our horror. <laughs> the villain of this slasher comic, which actually I got to interview Justin Jordan uh, via email this week and uh, that's up and you can read nice. it. Uh, but he, he basically says it is 1000% a slasher. Yeah. And then he proceeds to tell me his favorite slashers, Halloween, of course, being one yes. of them. But uh, the lighting on this is really cool and dramatic. Again, go to aipcomics.com. Go to this podcast post to see the art in full. But we get to see his axe. We get to see his blade. He's in like some giant trench yeah, coat the detailing type. detailing on the coat is so great. You can tell he's from another time. Yeah. But his teeth, man. This Them dude. Teeth, though. If you were his dentist, <laughs> man, that is a long time in the uh, chair. Let me tell you. <laughs> sure. He also appears to be wearing like a, a skin mask. So I wonder what's underneath there. More skin. But uh, <laughs> it's just the skin, man. <laughs> it's like the turtles all the way down. What is your favorite cover out next week? Uh, I love the cover for Danger Street number four. The variant covered by Joel Jones. This is uh, lady cop centric, and uh, yeah. this this cover is like a total uh, throwback to pulp novel covers, or like a 
uh, a, a, a sort of, uh, you know, cop exploitation movie from the 70s. Sure, uh, sure. We've got like three different poses for Lady Cop while cars are exploding in the foreground. <laughs> Flipping. It, it's so <laughs> rad. It really, it, it it's just, uh, I don't know, it has me very excited to see this sort of uh, bizarre take on the cop books of the 70s. And uh, the fact that the Creeper really heavily factors into this story makes me really excited as well. I kind of wish he was on the cover, but, uh, yeah, but yeah. man, it's hard to complain when you've got some you know, Kung Fu action mixed with this, you know, the, the, these sort of bombastic, you know, car chase, Smokey and the Bandit style cannonball yeah. run stuff happening in the foreground. It's almost like an exploitation sort totally. of style too, Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this book's been great too. Yeah. Um, I'm finally catching up my... on it, yeah. Oh, good, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those books that just feels elevated in adult, um, and yet it's the most wacky I mean, Dark Side. Is I know. It? Yeah. Uh, anyway, by, moving oh, on to by our. By the way, if folks, oh, speaking of yeah. Dark Side, if folks haven't watched it yet, I just watched the Harley Quinn Valentine's Day special, the animated series on uh, HBO yeah, yeah. Max. And there is a fantastic scene with Dark Side voiced by Michael Ironside. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Where can I get that? HBO it's Max. On HBO Max. Sweet. In our last segment, join us as Brian Michael Bennis joins the show to talk about Fortune and Glory, Miles Morales, and so much more. See how the boy falls from <laughs> the sky. That's one of the songs from uh, Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> did you Did you play that in your in your headset while you were falling? Huh? Yes. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> oh my god! Did you have a guitar while you were falling as no, well? The edge is here with me. Oh shit! Does he have his <laughs> reverb machine? Uh, I can ask. Did he write it or was it just Bono? Bono and the Edge. Wow. Bono amazing. and the Edge. Did he need that day? Probably the greatest work they ever did. <laughs> Spider Man. Turn off the dark musical. Enjoy. I, I got to read some of uh, Fortune and Glory, the musical, so I kind of already know how this might go, This, this, this uh, the answer to this question. But were you a fan of musicals before Turn Off the Dark and then after? This is discussed, I will say, at great length inside the graphic novel mm. because I wrestled with this yeah. greatly and spiritually. <laughs> Walking into the assignment that was, you know, uh, I was offered to write the, the Broadway musical out of nowhere. Uh, I didn't even know it existed. It was not a public idea. There was just something yeah. that was going on behind the scenes. So I got this call and uh, I literally, my wife, who we had been married for years at this point, uh, overheard it. I hung up and she goes, did you just get offered a Broadway musical? <laughs> That's disgusting. And I go, why? She goes, there are, because she's a huge Broadway fan, like a huge wow, musical yeah. theater. And she goes, there are people with doctorates in musical theater who will never find their way anywhere near the Broadway stage. And you, <laughs> who hasn't even seen one, is going to waltz onto the biggest stage in New York with Spider-Man? That's disgusting. And I said, should I not do it? She goes, oh, no, you have to. It's too, it's too good. you got to try. And, uh, but, but, I, but her point was valid. Mm. She was very aware. That of I I don't like musicals. I wasn't into them. I I didn't like, despise them and write like nasty right. uh, uh, pieces on my blog about them. But I, I I just I wasn't connected to it. And and then I immediately and I've done this on a couple of subjects. If I'm faced with an art form I don't understand, mm -hmm. I remember that I'm in an art form that a lot of people don't understand. Right. We're faced with this all to this day. People are like. 
people make comics like they and um so uh, instead of staying in that lane i go no embrace this you have now been offered a chance to embrace an art form embrace it the way you wish people would embrace comics so i've done this a couple of times and then and here and on top of this my wife has oh she wants me to go with her so badly and i just and i do <laughs> go with like i'll go with her right. but she wants me to want to go she doesn't right. want me to like i'll go be a good husband you what you wants me to go and be there with her and uh and 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 she remembered not too long before this mm-hmm. we had gone to see the broadway musical of titanic oh. but the one here in portland right yeah, yeah. And in this musical, supposedly, like the whole stage is a ship sinking. Like wow. you get, like the whole Epic. thing is a spectacle yeah. on stage. I was asleep the entire time. I saw <laughs> none of it. I was, I, I was. Yeah. I mean, there was water sounds and sloshing, and and the dark, and I was just out. And 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 she knew this. She knew that I was. I missed literally a whole boat sinking right in front of me. And um and and, and so. I had a lot of work to do. So the, part of the story that's being told is me embracing the art form, doing what I can to 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 uh, fake my way <laughs> into into the process. And uh, and I should not have been there. I'm right there with the you. I just went to the Almost Famous musical as a gift to my girlfriend. And um, she was like, isn't it amazing? I was like, yeah, there were some interesting parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean and, and to this day like I get it like I I've, I've really done a lot of like work and research mm-hmm. and 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 tried to embrace it and there's just like there's just some mediums that are just sure. speak to you and there are mediums that don't and it doesn't mean they're you know anything about you or them it's just you know and some of it's just what you were raised with too right. like sometimes it's just in your DNA. Yeah. Speaking of, of things that speak to you Fortune and Glory the the original was a book I read in the early 2000s when I went to college for screenwriting. So I not only was like already interested in comics, but I was trying to learn about screenwriting. And then your book helped me kind of understand what you went through in Hollywood. So then now with the sequel coming out, I'm immediately like, well, is Brian going to tell us, uh, you know, what to expect or tips as far as writing for Broadway? Well, um, <laughs> Well, first of all, thank you, and I, I do appreciate it. And and the 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 story of Fortune Glory, um, with oh, by the way, uh, if you allow me, uh, sure. new version of Dark Horse coming yes. very very soon. You can order it now. And what's interesting now, it's like a period piece, and um, <laughs> right. which is fascinating. But it does tell the story. I wrote a graphic novel years ago, wrote and drew it myself mm-hmm. about the weird chapter in my life where I become an independent comic creator, and then. Like not just me, but Hollywood was calling all of us. There was, and it was not the Hollywood that you're seeing now, where like every day, and like today, the good Asian is getting a, a an adaptation. Like the like the Hollywood looks at all of it right. as as you know as as prime real estate. But at the time, they were dancing around us and not sure, but they could feel it. And Blade made money, and and uh, uh, you know there were, there there were there were projects out there that were really interesting. There were comic book connected, but they weren't sure what the relationship was yet. And I was I had a front row seat to this weirdness. They were calling all the time, and I was in these meetings. And of course, you would take them, and um, you know, I'd go from my attic in Cleveland to someone's you know big giant office in Hollywood, and I didn't understand what was happening. And all of it was weird, and none of it was panning out. So I wrote a graphic novel about the experience of this, 
fully trying to just give what I felt at the time didn't have value, value. Like, let, let, let me let's turn oh, it see. into a story that mm-hmm. I can like share and blow off some steam and work it out. And I fully said, like, like this one is just no one's no one's going to care about you. this is just for me I like like just this is a very limited audience and you were wrong and I, I was totally wrong <laughs> biggest hit i'd had biggest yeah. like commercial hit i had and more importantly it was the i was hearing from people i now had my message board and there was i i was i was building connections with readers and stuff in a, in a really beautiful way and this book where i was really like sharing my pain and frustration with with my giant bald head and googly eyes, real people were really connecting with me on a human level. And then I was the first time I really felt like, oh, the art human level connection is very, very powerful, like as powerful as it gets. You hear about it all the time. And until you're standing in the middle of it, you can't even uh, you can't even experience it. And I had people from all walks of life coming at me with Boy, you know, first of all, I thought it'd be first of all it'd just be Hollywood people going, yeah, I've been in the shit meetings. I know exactly who that is right. and blah, blah, blah. And right. that definitely happened. But then like over the year, it became just people who had been to bad meetings. It didn't uh, even matter what the meeting was about. Huh. I, I hate wasting my time in shit meetings mm-hmm. or, 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 or the one that really seemed to grab people was when you're in a meeting where everyone tells you before the meeting, this meeting is a is a home run. You just walk in. This person loves you. They love your work. They can't wait to meet you. The, the checkbook is open. And then you walk in and they're like, who are you? What is this? Why am I here? Where's my lunch? Oh, and uh, and that that seems to be a universal truth that not a lot of people at the time had experienced in, in their graphic novel fiction. So having that connection was beautiful. And uh, I celebrate and and the book's still in print. I mean, it it still connects with people to this day and evolves. It also, just as a side note, yeah, thing I also learned from the graphic novels experience, it did keep weasels away from me from quite a long time because oh. I may write about you. So if you're a, a self-aware weasel, you stay away from me. Yeah, I'm. I'm just, there's nothing here for you. So, and that was that was a, um, a a great benefit. So I did have that as as a weapon as I was walking in to the next chapter of my career that I was only around people who were who who meant business for a while. So that that helped. So, but then because of Fortune and Glory being such a beautiful connection for me with people, I was always looking to do the next one. Mm-hmm. And then what happened to me at Marvel, and I was like, "Oh, you're going to do a Marvel one," and I'm like, "Yeah, but <laughs> shit." This is all working out pretty well, though. After years of that, the you know, Fortune and Glory is the story of frustration, right? It's I don't know if here, hey, we created Miles Morales and it worked out pretty good. Isn't <laughs> it I, like that's fun for a podcast, but it isn't a, a narrative worth dramatizing. And uh, right. uh, and so I was never sure how I was going to be able to wrap this around a story. A story. Mm-hmm. Now to answer your actual question, <laughs> right? I did not know how to write a Broadway musical. I did not study the art form of Broadway musical, nor did I get a chance to learn it because I was fired soon uh, after I was hired. So none of that uh, will will be taught. But what I did learn were some very valuable lessons about myself and collaboration. And um, the whole book 
is, is an excuse really to like, fr- like, like the story of the Spider-Man turn off the dark is the framework on which I flash back to how the hell did I get here? Right. And it's the journey of a young creator learning all the lessons they've learned. And, it, and because of the structure, I get to just zero in on the anecdotes where I learned something or met someone important in my life. Like when I was a young man and met Walt Simonson and he changed my life. Or when I first met Joe Quesada, when I met a young, when I met Gil Kane as a young man, who was my first, my first art teacher was at a, at a uh, convention where a very angry Gil Kane uh, taught us uh, anatomy, all of these stories that um, are building blocks. And here's what happened. It's interesting. And here's what I learned. Here's how I applied it. And here's how I fucked it up for the musical. And what I've learned as a, as a college professor and a teacher over the years is that you only learn from failure like that. I mean, you can learn how you handle success from success, mm-hmm. but you don't actually learn. Oh, I learned some truth about myself and, and, and my craft, but with failure you do, but it's, so it's fun to tell a story like this. Cause here's all the fuck ups I did and here's what I learned. Right. Yeah. And here's, and, and, the other thing I like to share about it is that like this was happening during a time where Ultimate Spider-Man was at its height. Like there was a lot of great stuff going on in my life where a lot of uh, success was born out of previous failures while actual devastating failure was happening right in the middle of it right. privately. And so I got to experience, I got to share with everyone experience failure during success and how that all manifested itself. So I'm hoping that stuff and and I do feel it will be a, a nice way to connect with people on stuff because that is part of what we teach at the masterclass and what we're teaching in our creation project at Substack as well is just here's where you learn. This is the good stuff. But you know, we we but we you know, we live in this culture it's been going on for quite a while. Where we have all these reality shows yeah, where either you know, like a bake off, where you're either the best baker or you're sucking, you you're a loser, you you're terrible, and and that's just not creativity. And but it mm-hmm. but it just put a lesson out there for people, even like subconsciously, like uh, there's a lot of people out there that think you you're either good or you suck, mm-hmm. right? And right. that's just not it. It's just not. So I like to like counter that vibe a little bit with mm-hmm. no, look, I've got all these things that worked out well, and look at all this big mess I made. And all my friends made a big mess too. It's messy. Creation is messy. And, you know, trying new things and being in places that are scary for you can be messy. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I think I think both. I, I haven't read the entire sequel yet. Uh, I don't know if I even have the entire sequel in hand. I have a chunk of it. Oh, we're, we're holding back some of the good stuff. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but with both, I, I think your voice rings loud and clear. It, it feels very informative. I love how you talk right at the reader. Do you find it difficult to write dialogue in your voice or are you always doing that anyway? And I mean, literally your voice because you are on the page talking at us. <laughs> you, well, it's a version, yeah. right? It's, it's, a, it's, it's, your, the, it's always the best version of you. There's, mm. you know, a lot of uh, comedians have told that. You, you, you always, you know, like, like that Seinfeld episode where he goes, uh, well, the, the jerk store called and they're out of you. Like we, we writers, we always get, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you've, like that's a story about like George Costanza thinks of the punchline 
hours later. Right, like right, right. zinger an hour later, and then has to recreate a situation so we can get a zinger in. Mm-hmm. Writers get to do that. We get to craft. Oh, I know what I should have said, right. and then you get to create the scene or recreate it either in fiction or nonfiction, and put your zinger in there and make yourself out to be the the wittiest, coolest hero. So the really the the thing is that you're cra- you're crafting like the best version of yourself and then you have to kind of like no 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 how about the most honest version of you like like right. stop being the coolest version <laughs> and let's do the honest version and look at the camera and say the thing that embarrasses you the most mm-hmm. so i found it to be um and then looking at fortune the original fortune glory and i do that i there's there's i'm literally balled up in the fetal position on some of the pages mm. i had forgotten that i had done that like right. I when I when I looked at it again, I went, oh look, I really, I really kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah. shared there the way I didn't think I did. So it empowered me to remember to do it. There, there was also some projects out in the world, like non-comic projects, that were very inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a really good book by Steve Martin called "Still Standing Up," mm. um, and Love that book. what he. Oh, you read it. Well, mm-hmm. what the, the, the brilliance of that book really was that he he figured out like once I'm on the set of the jerk, everything worked out pretty much okay. The good stuff right. is everything up to that. Like how he worked right? at the Disney store when he was a kid. Yeah. 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 And that, but he knew like so so like that that's my story. I'm gonna tell that. The mm-hmm. part I didn't understand, right? And I was very and in, 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 like, oh, that's all the parts I want to tell about comics and also I, I, I've become aware of me and a lot of my friends that we grew up in a time in comics. It was pre-internet. So uh-huh. there's not a lot of archive and right. some of it's disappearing right. and some of it really shouldn't. Some of it can go away, but some <laughs> of it, uh, it should be saved and our memories and our experiences should be archived because past us, it is all archived. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's all, we all are, all our conversation, including this conversation, will will be around somewhere. So right. um so I I looked at that Steve Martin book and he actually says I hear stuff you don't probably don't even remember because mm-hmm. none of this exists anymore. And I realized like I'm right. talking about comics in the 80s and 90s, none of it exists anymore. Right, it's right. a planet that no longer exists. So I wanted to uh illustrate it, celebrate it, share it. And then the other book that I really got inspired by was um um, the one that made me really pull the trigger on this project was uh, Seth Rogen's yearbook. Oh, interesting. Have you read that? No, I haven't. Oh, if you like the Steve Martin book, you'll love this one. Nice. It's it's similar in that here's I've broken down the best anecdotes of my life into these, you know, very tasty treats. Mm. And also, here's some really here's some shit you didn't know about about Tom Cruise <laughs> and Nicholas Cage. Oh, and, sure, okay. And, and, I, I he, remember, a, he told that story like on Conan and everything. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, I know. An, an amazing George Lucas story. An amazing I've, George Lucas. He told story. that story on uh, on uh, Howard Stern, I think. Yeah, yeah, and they're, and they're fantastic. <laughs> so and the only thing that makes that story even better is that now he's the star of the Fablemans. Like, like right. that story happened in Steven Spielberg's office, and then Steven Spielberg hired you right. to be the <laughs> uncle that broke up his family. Anyway, so um, I, 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 but the the voice and the the tone and mm. all of that really inspired me to uh, take these stories and also Spider Man Turn Off the Dark even before this new wave of. Uh, of like internet interest in it because of, of George Santos and the other things that have popped up um, right. <laughs> kind of already knew, like uh, it's not, 
it's not me damning the project. It's already, it's, it's right. like, like I'm sensitive to that. Like I wouldn't want to like hundreds of people worked on something really hard and they tried and right. it just didn't work. And I don't want to shit all over them, mm-hmm. but at the same time, this really happened. I want to talk about it. So uh, at least in this regard, it's, it's, it's such a uh, catastrophe that I, I'm not, I'm not judging it. It's, it's, it's out there. And I, 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 uh, I, I'm able to share this untold story about it. And one of the most unique parts for me too, is that I, I think people would be surprised that the Broadway musical happened, but this story I'm telling happened years before, right? right. Years and years. And one of the things that I thought I had done was stop the play from happening. Uh-huh. Like I, I had, I had stated my case. It got me fired and then the project went away and I thought, oh, I did a bit of a little mitzvah here. Right. Listen, it wasn't a good take on Spider-Man. It wasn't going to work. At least I did a mitzvah. And then, and then it happened <laughs> right. and then I got to go see it. That's amazing. I mean, we, we've all heard of projects and things where you go, well, that's crazy. And then they go away. And then, but this one didn't. This one actually, I sat there with one of my best friends and watched it happen. Especially like Hollywood stuff. I, I envy you because I, I really want to see it, but I don't know. Maybe one day we'll get a, a digital cut or something. I know there was the, one of the songs was on like late night. They sang one of the oh, songs. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I, I will be posting this all on my Substack because yeah. um, like you can never do it justice. It's like one of those things like you really got to see even like a couple minutes <laughs> of it. It's quite something. Really, yeah, because when you hear Spider-Man, your brain just goes somewhere. Right. And this is somewhere else. And uh, yeah, so there's a Jimmy Kimmel clip online. Yeah. There's all kinds of clips online. Uh, also, there's a whole other book about the creation of this uh, play from the people who actually made the version that uh, happened. So there's documents of of this that goes on and on and on. You mentioned you're going to be releasing. I'm like the prequel. The... I'm like the prequel story. <laughs> you're the prequel to the to the to the yeah. prequel in a, in a way. Um... You mentioned that you're releasing this on Substack. Uh, how many pages per week or how 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 consistent will it be? And then how many weeks, if not months, will it take to release everything? Well, the good news is we've spent like the whole year making this material. Like Substack, for people who don't know, and I know that even now, still people are like, comics, Substack, what are you saying? Mm. Um, about a year ago, um, Substack came to a bunch of creators and offered us this space on which to um, kind of find out, is there a comic space in newsletters and, you know, social media constantly evolving? I was very interested. What do you got? Let's see. And um, while some creators were ready to go immediately and and started their newsletters uh, uh, immediately, I wasn't. I had just signed with Dark Horse and Abrams and had like had pulled the trigger on some big projects. So I was like grateful for the space. And now I'll, I'll need this time to build up the material. So I spent the year creating a whole graphic novel, fortune and glory, all of the chapters of creation. So like building up the content. So not only are we happy with it, but that we can, we know it'll be consistently coming out. Like, you know, if, even if, you know, my arm falls off tomorrow. We're, we're good for months. Have and, it in uh, the can already. And then you have, yeah, have it in the can. <laughs> also. Yeah. And that's part of like one, one of the blessings they offered us is that, you know, sometimes comics always feels like the devil's chasing you. You're like deadline, deadline, deadline. Like right. we stop for a few months, make it. And so, so I'm happy to report that after the, the, the delays that I put on myself mm-hmm. uh, to launch this, that it's because we're ready to go. So what we'll be doing is we'll be releasing new material every week. Well, I've broken down the story 
uh, anecdotally. So sometimes it's eight pages, sometimes it's 12 pages, but it's a nice chunk of like a, uh, of an, uh, of a comic, um, that hopefully you can read each chapter individually and get something. And when you put it all together, you're like, wow, here's something. Is it, so, it is it going to be released linearly as well? It's, it's, yeah, it's literally to the way it's being told, nice. but, uh, the story itself is nonlinear. So I've already lied to you. Like, so <laughs> I, I'm releasing it page one through, you know, but, gotcha. uh, but, uh, we go back to the eighties and we're in the nineties and we're in 2004 and then we're in modern day. So it's, re- it's really the limey of superhero anecdotal, uh, fiction. So, yeah. You drew the original, you, you already mentioned, uh, what made Bill Walco the right choice to draw this sequel? Well, originally, and the other uh, delay was I was going to draw this. Like I I had years ago Mm -hmm. told my friends my romantic idea that once I was, uh, uh, I hop off uh, the superhero hamster wheel that I would return (laughs) to drawing comics uh, on my own terms and how exciting that would be. And uh, um, I I, I, I then sat down and and started to relearn how to draw. I am still in the middle of doing that. Now, the good news is I have all these great artists that are my close friends and I'm getting all these free art lessons and I'm getting my shit back together. And it's very nice. And they literally take the files away from me and redraw (laughs) my drawing. It's really hilarious. But uh, it it became clear I wasn't ready yet. And also, um, I have kids. I didn't have kids when I did the first one. And this one, even though my time is mine, it just felt that drawing this graphic novel on top of everything would just be time away from my children at this time of their lives, which I now know is the best, most, you know, they're all teenagers and preteens and they're just years away from the next chapter of their lives. So I want to be here for this uh, full stop. And, um, uh, uh, and so I was like, shit, but I really, this is such a personal thing, right? During the last few years, um, George from the New York Times had reached out to me to do a story about Stan Lee, a remembrance about Stan Lee uh, that I also felt I should draw, and I but, but couldn't. And then he said, oh, let me introduce you to my friend Bill. Oh, and he put us together. He said, Bill and you have very similar energy, and I think this will play. And And I trusted it, and he was right. And so when this... When this choice of me drawing or not drawing, when it came clear, I'm not, not only I just can't do it right now, but this material must get out. Um, I called Bill and I, I literally said, are you at all interested in drawing my bald head like 700 more times? I mean, because regardless of what I think the job yeah. is, that's the job. And, uh, and, and he said, yes. And it's, it's been wonderful. And, and the, good, the good part is, I, I'm very sensitive about this, is that though he's drawing my very personal memories and that could be daunting, like sure. you're literally like drawing something and handing it back to the person who lived it and saying, is this right, is a rough gig, but he handled it perfectly. We didn't have any, he got it. He got all the reference. He understood all the, all the uh, spaces that I was, um, sharing with him so it worked out great it's just w- wonderful nice and also yeah. you're i think you're working with daniel chabon i think i'm saying his last name right on uh, Chabon, yeah he's editing this he free tweets aipt constantly every time we have yeah, a no, he, article <laughs> so no he is um my editor at um he's one of the big editors at dark horse and he's yeah. the editor of the entire jinx world line at dark horse 
And the idea will be that eventually when this um, material sees a publication in the traditional form, it will be through, uh, uh, under my shingle at, at Dark Horse. So uh, Daniel came in to like, I'm like, would you like to edit it now? So it's the easier later. And so, <laughs> yeah, so it, it was a, a wonderful uh, way. Was good working that. with him? Oh, he, no, we've been working like, together for this, years. Cut this, cut that. No, we've been working that? together for years yeah. and he had really good sense of what I'm trying to accomplish. And what was nice. great is that we have a lot of like mutual friends that we grew up with and stuff, but we have not had a shared space together. So these anecdotes that I'm sharing with him first, mm-hmm. he's reading them knowing me, but clean. Like uh, okay. he did not experience it with me. So he can, he was, it was great because he knows me, but knows, does this story make sense? Is this interesting? Is it funny? So he, he was a great uh, first voice uh, to, to read the material for uh, particularly for this material, but just right on the money. How, um how tempted are you to punch up certain moments in your life when you're talking about yourself in a story like this? I, I I will honestly tell you I I I I have both things I I have this instinct to want to punch up stuff mm-hmm. and an instinct to really make me suffer, <laughs> like in a way that if you probably saw the scene, it's not as bad as as what I thought it was. Uh-huh. But I, oh, I, sure. I, I I the emotional resonance of it. Yeah. So so the and I grew up in a I grew up in a, a period of uh, autobiographical comics where people were really mm. the 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 shithead of the story, like the butt the butt of the joke, and and like even Harvey Pekar, like he's not the hero of like like all all of my autobiographical comic heroes, they're not the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. And and I and I do like that. I do. I think you're speaking more truthfully. So it's it's me wrestling to really find the truth and the humor because because on top of my feelings about it, I do know that if it's just page after page after page of me being an idiot and a loser or page after page of page of me being awesome, neither one of them is very interesting. Right. Or very true. Like both things are sometimes I kicked ass and sometimes I fucked up, uh, including on this phone call. So um, <laughs> so it, it's, you know, it's it's kind of my job to make sure I'm truthful in the moment, every moment. You know, or 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 my version of it. It's it's so funny because yeah, you you're by by making a comic book of it, you're already abstracting the memory. Right. You're, you're, yeah. You're changing it, it, augmenting it. And I've heard so many filmmakers and people mm. have told stories talk about how you you uh, like you by by filming a memory, you've now altered it forever. Like mm-hmm. now, like even I only remember it through the lens of what I've created, and uh, right. so. So I'm thinking about that as well. But I I did like there are scenes where my brother's in it and my friend David Mack's in it. And I sent it to them and I'm like with, almost with no preamble, just like I I want your I want your cold take. Is this how you remember it? Oh, and, interesting. Uh, so yeah, so I did that a few times as well. Because I'm sure this will be like a historical record on some scale, similar to the original Fortune and Glory. Well, um, not to be not to be goofy, but yeah, yeah. I, as I no. said before, we're 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 a generation that's not archived right. fully. So mm-hmm. it's kind of up to us to like tell these stories, so we can I can I want to celebrate to you how wonderful Walt Simonson was to me as a child. I I want I want to embarrass him in every medium I can find because he was so cool to me. And the other anecdotes that I learned, I mean, that's you know, I, I, I live off other people's anecdotes and, and there I learn from them and, and I just, you just figure out, 
you just share. That's how that's how we that's how we connect. I feel like our society is addicted to the the trilogy. Uh, we've got Hollywood. We've got Broadway. What would the third book potentially be about? Substack. No, I I I I I, I do feel in my heart and I danced around a little bit in this project that the, 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 what miles has brought to my life is yeah. there's something there mm-hmm. uh, to talk about, but so much of it is now wrapped around this warmness mm-hmm. that, that it's a hug it, right now. It's just like, you know, I've, I've like, you go on Instagram and look under the hashtag miles Morales birthday cake. That's my life. That is this beautiful space that I live in with with these characters that I've created. So I do feel that, or help create. So I, I do feel like with some distance, I'll be able to craft the story of of this in a, in the in a way that's interesting. And I am aware of it. And I do write down stuff as it goes nice. to just keep it fresh. But uh, I don't know. Like More like it took me twenty years to figure this one out to mm. figure out what the angle was, right? Mm. So um, maybe DC, maybe my time at DC Comics is a story. In fact, I know it is. So who knows? That's, uh, you know, yeah. but I do know I definitely need perspective. Right. Um, time, to, time. To yeah. A little time from the distance from, from the actual moments. Yeah. And people make me sign NDAs this, the size of a phone book now because they're very aware of my, uh, of my potential. Right. Because the first uh, graphic novel. That's funny. Um, yeah, I would be and also, there's people who are in the first graphic novel yeah. who I've met since and have no, they, and, and they have been it. told it's them and they don't see it. Oh, interesting. Marvel, I think last week or two weeks ago now, uh, announced the ultimate invasion. I'd, I'd be remiss not to ask you if you saw that news and if you had any thoughts, sounds like they want to like bring back the ultimate universe. Yeah, they should. Like, I, I'm a big believer in that. Listen, I, I tried to put all the toys back in the toy box that I fucked with during my time. I not, I couldn't do all of them, but, sure. um, you know, but let, listen, I, like I brought Janet back just at the end and I, I ended up with the credit in Ant-Man. So it worked out okay. But, um, I, 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 Jonathan blew up the ultimate universe. He should put it back. I'm very yes. happy that it's happening. I, and I honestly hope that, that all the creators, if they're, if they're, I don't know, I'm not in the loop, but I hope if they're bringing back a, a, a couple of titles that the creators that get to work on those titles feel the feeling that I had writing them. It was nice. truly top to bottom, a beautiful experience. And I want, and that's part of like what these projects that we're talking about on Substack are. Yeah. I want you to feel how I felt in these beautiful moments. I know they're real. I've experienced them. You got to earn them. You got to, you got to work towards them. Uh, let, uh, let me, let me, cheerlead you towards that because it's unbelievable i have to say brian i've i've uh, talking about ultimate evasion i'm like what if brian comes back brian michael bettis comes back and they give him the universe again and i'm going to tell you i pulled a bunch of people and everyone says yes please more please i want that so uh and and i deeply and it does i get hit with it on social all the time and it is absolutely beautiful and I am thrilled, honestly, because, you know, while we're in it, you know, while and you've seen it, while we're in it, people are like, you suck. Stop doing that. <laughs> right. Don't. And right. then when it's over, people are people are nice. So it's nice to be at the at the space where people are saying nice things. And I, I will say I, I was they, they announced at the end of the year that the, the number one book on Marvel Unlimited was Ultimate Spider-Man, like the number one red book. And I, that yeah. that startled me. Not, Iconic. I, I know that's not like that. 
huge flex, but it startled me. That's a that that book's been out for a while and I didn't see it coming, but it did warn me. It made me it made, I, I felt like, oh, that's nice. That's that's good. Like, yes. you know, it, it's yeah, and and let that just be. Like let like like don't come back and fuck it up. Just just <laughs> oh, the, sure, like the pressure. Like, that, like, yeah. I, no, no, just uh, I there's no pressure. Don't do it. Just don't. <laughs> there's no pressure to do it. You th- that mountain is climbed. You've mm-hmm. climbed it. It's it, it and and it's like they put out that that announcement to remind me that mountain is climbed. Mm-hmm. Like it's climbed. It's still it's still there. People are still enjoying it. So do this other thing that you're terrified of. Go into the space you don't know what you do and be like all your heroes and try the thing you don't know if you can do. And, uh, and so I, at the moment, that's where I am. I'm, I'm, I've been allowed an opportunity to pay my rent with brand new ideas. I am going to do that for as long as I'll be allowed to, because wow, what the the only thing better than writing Spider-Man is that. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that for as long as that's, I'm allowed to and how I'm feeling my heart. Maybe, Literally, by the end of this conversation, I feel differently about it. But at the moment, I feel like that's been done. I want to do this. I, I literally, and I know myself, like I may wake up on Tuesday and go, oh, I know what to do. Right, oh. right. A lightning bolt. But I, and right now, I, I just, I really feel like I, you know, and, and also like Spider-Verse 2 is cooking. Like, it's, sure. I, like I'm still in the Spider-Man world. Like, I, I, like it's, it's not gone from my, my universe. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not looking at that stuff. In 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 past tense yet, right. it's still yeah. I'm still there. So you're in it. Yeah, it's and I'm just trying to explain. That. I don't mean to be like overly braggier about this. No, not at all. But it's like people here. I I because I, 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 sometimes you see people. I'm like, I'll never go back to that, and that's not how I feel. Sure, that's not what I'm you're saying. You're not bitter. Just yeah. Yeah, enjoy. I want you to enjoy all the work. It's out mm-hmm. there. I loved making it. I love all the people I made it with. Go get it. And also try the new stuff because we're, try- we're 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 really excited about it. Yeah, when all those Substacks were announced, uh, gosh, was it a year ago or two years ago now? Um, it was a really exciting time, and you know, I think you're doing some really interesting stuff with your Substack and the Masterclass, and now with uh, Fortune and Glory, the musical, um, and having read yeah, a yeah, good it, chunk of it, it's really entertaining. I love your voice, and the nerd of me was like, Brian has a really good Deadpool story in him because the way this character talks at me, I want that in another format. But that's just me being selfish and weird. Uh, but I think it was highly entertaining, and the art is great too. Yeah, Bill, Bill, and Wes did an amazing job. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. It, it is very fresh material. It has only been read by a handful of people, so oh, I well. really—I'm uh, honored. Appreciate you, you giving me that feedback because that it's it's fresh. I, I, I am in the. I'm. It's opening night. It's it's always it's always <laughs> it's really exciting. good energy. It's, I think I think it'll really resonate with anyone. I hope Even if so. you don't like musicals, I, I think so. you'll enjoy it. And your anecdotes are great too, and they feel really personal. Um, I uh, thank yeah. you, thank you. I hope so. I, I, I'm hoping to get to a place where you'll like it, even if you hate me. That's what I. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm. That's, I hate this guy, but this yeah. book. Let me tell you, you got to read it. <laughs> well, Brian, thank you so much for talking to me. This has been a blast, and I, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Oh, no, I appreciate it. I'm sorry if I over-answered, but no, uh, this is all. all personal, so I appreciate you giving me a moment to express that.